0: Fireflies Unite with Kia, your weekly podcast from the perspective of individuals thriving with the mental illness. We are normalizing the conversation about mental health within communities of color to foster mental wellness and empowerment. Hey, so I just wanted to come and welcome any new listeners that I may have. And I realize I usually... Jump straight into the show and I'll say, Hey, Fireflies. But a lot of people, or rather, new listeners may not know the meaning behind the podcast. So um, I did talk about it and went into detail in the teaser episode. So if you didn't have a chance to listen to that, I encourage you to go back and listen to the episode and I get into more detail. But yes, yeah, so Fireflies Unite, what does that mean? Well, I was really wanted a name that would stand out uh, because I really didn't want to make the podcast just about me. You know, you all know that I really wanted the podcast to be a platform for other people to share their stories, people who live and thrive with mental illness. And so we all know Fireflies. Um, A lot of us, we see them in the summertime and when we were children, we would catch them and put them in jars and we would see them light up at night. And so basically, the idea is that we are fireflies because when people are battling with a mental illness or struggling emotionally, they're in a very dark place. They usually feel embarrassed or ashamed or alone and like no one really understands them. And so by talking about it, we're bringing light into darkness. And so just like the fireflies come out at night and they have this really beautiful or this little cute light that um, that goes off at night that we tend to see. And so that's really what the, you know, the base of the podcast is because I really wanted something that would stand out. But I know right off the bat, people are probably like, what is that? Is this a podcast about bugs? Like, they may not understand. And so, I really just wanted to give our new listeners um, some background as to the meaning behind it. And so, yeah, we're uniting together, and we're opening the conversation. And again, we're bringing light into darkness. So, welcome, uh, new Fireflies. And I just hope that you enjoy me, uh, Join enjoy me, on this journey as we discuss uh, mental health and mental illness within communities of color. Thank you so much for listening, and I'm so excited to have you a part of the community. Hey, Fireflies, I hope that everyone is doing well and putting their mental health first. I want to thank you for your support for this podcast, as I truly appreciate it. Now, let's jump into the show. I need everyone to brace themselves because it's about to go down. Today, we are about to touch on something that is going to be a little sticky, and it may rub some people the wrong way, but that's okay because the mission of the podcast is to normalize the conversation about mental health within communities of color. So that includes having the very tough conversations that people tend to sweep under the rug because they're uncomfortable with People of color, especially Blacks, are used to experiencing trauma from slavery to Jim Crow to civil rights. So we're used to being silenced and oppressed. For some, our natural response to trauma is typically to just pray, pray about it. And while I understand and have witnessed that prayer certainly works, there also comes a time when we need to not only pray about things that we're dealing with, with, but we also should address our issues. What do I mean by that? For those of us who are believers, yes, we should pray and trust God to heal us and expect Him to perform miracles because we know that in His Word, we believe in His Word and we know that He will do things that we ask for. But on the other hand, we have this double standard when it comes to mental illness. While I can understand someone's first response to anything, such as a trauma or if someone is sick, to pray about it. But when it comes to mental illness, we say things like you need to get that demon out of you, or you need to have faith in God, or you need to pray harder to someone who may be bipolar or depressed. But why isn't that your response to someone who has cancer or heart attack? It's like we have more empathy and compassion for physical illnesses So we should really move to a point of not comparing illnesses because at the end of the day, a disease is a disease, whether it's mental or physical. But I have someone here who is going to help me dive into this tough topic of mental health in the Black Church. Diagnosed with bipolar disorder and anxiety in 2006, Arnesia Gibson has been advocating for mental health. She served as the co-chair for the first Prince George's County. Out of the Darkness Walk, sponsored by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. She previously worked in the sales capacity for hotels for several years before being diagnosed with bipolar disorder and anxiety. After having several symptoms of loss of appetite, lack of focus, difficulty falling asleep, racing thoughts, suicidal thoughts, and sadness, yet Onesia is devoted to serving the mental illness community. She strives to educate, advocate, and help us help people overcome the stigma associated with mental illness. Her focus is to help the stigma of those who suffer from a mental illness and facilitate activities to meet the needs of people living with a mental illness. Serving on the board of directors for Anne Arundel County and Prince George's County, she is also certified for various programs, with the American Foundation of Suicide Prevention. Aonisi is also a certified NAMI peer-to-peer and support group mentor. In addition, she received a certification of mental health first aid. Because of her passionate education and advocacy, Alnissi has started her own ministry, Blessed to be Gifted Ministry, which is geared toward helping people with mental illness. Her motto, you can, you can be saved and have a mental illness. And also, Alnissia is also available for any speaking engagements. I want to welcome Alnissia and just thank you so much for taking time out of your day to join me on the podcast. Thank you, Miss
1: Lady. I appreciate it. Of course, of course.
0: So I got to tell people how we met first. So Alnissia and I met back in September when I signed up for the peer-to-peer recovery support class, and she served as my facilitator And that was truly the beginning of our friendship slash mentorship. And she's like a big sister. I enjoyed going to class because it was a space where I felt like people understood me and it provided me with a sense of community. And I simply felt like I belong. So I would like you to share your mental health journey And talk more a bit about your diagnosis. And when did you start to notice signs of bipolar disorder and anxiety? Well, um, it was most likely.
1: Like you said, I used to work in the hotels. And it's very, very stressful, stressful. So I think that had a lot to do with triggers. Uh, So let's say I always go by my daughter's age Yeah, in 2006. Um, It was just a lot of, I was very sleepy all the time, very sluggish, not focused, didn't really want to go out and meet clients. I had just like, you know, I hate to say giving up, but pretty much giving up, you know, that failure, you know, just feel like a failure.
0: And so you said, and then you got diagnosed. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit more about bipolar disorder for People who may not understand what that actually means, because a lot of times people think people with bipolar disorder are like extremely crazy and violent. Can you just talk a bit more about that? My
1: bipolar disorder is, you know, some people suffer from manic. Some people, you know, most likely it's high and low. I go through more lows where I get depressed and, you know, just don't want to do anything. But the manic part is that's when you're shopping all the time, you know, you're hype, You really can't focus on a task. You know, everything is different and everybody know my focus before I die is to break that stigma because they do think we're crazy.
0: Yeah, they do. And I know that there was an episode on I don't know if you saw the episode on Empire where the character is, um, he's bipolar. And I didn't think that they, just my opinion, I didn't think that they did a, I know it's television and it's entertainment, so it has to be exaggerated. I get that. But I still didn't think that they represented someone who had bipolar disorder accurately. Do you think that When you watch television shows that show people with mental illness, do you think that they represent us accurately? I'm definitely not because I always
1: say you need to get educated. So sometimes I think they go by the media. You know, you just can't, you know, guess what schizophrenia is like or bipolar. You have to do your research. And unfortunately, a lot lot of people just don't. And of course, a lot of people in Hollywood don't, because it's still that stigma. They don't want to go too deep into it.
0: Yeah, and even so, I know that with you struggling with bipolar disorder and anxiety, but you're also a pastor and you, a minister. So when you were diagnosed, were was your church family supportive with your mental illness um, what was your experience like with you being involved in the Black church and also being in ministry and having a mental illness? Well, when
1: I first joined my church, um, actually, I was kind of grandfathered in because I had already had my ministry. So they were very open because I they ho- let me host mental health events. Um, they let me host conferences. So they were very open. But see, also, it's a small church. So sometimes I think that makes a huge difference. Because if you have a mega church, it's very hard, you know, to, well, we're going to focus on this, we going to focus on that. I think that's what's
0: missing in a lot of mega churches, unfortunately. What's missing in the mega churches are you saying mental health awareness or the ability to be able to actually come together to create something? to raise awareness such as maybe putting together a ministry or maybe having a depress uh depress a depression screening. Um actually I would say both.
1: I I think a lot of churches should definitely um hold support groups. And I don't want to say of course what church I go to, but my pastor always talks about seeing a therapist. He's very transparent. But see, a lot of pastors are not transparent because they think if I say I'm depressed from the pulpit, they're going to lose members. And I actually had a pastor tell me that.
0: See, and that's the thing. When we, the church looks at whether depression or mental illness, sometimes like it's a character flaw. You don't have faith in God. Get that demon out of you. Can you talk about ways that, well, can you talk about the importance of moving away from that. Because if you think about it, I spoke with the, um, a therapist and she said the statistic, I believe, is one in four people or person will experience some mm-hmm. type of a mental health challenge. So let's take mm-hmm. a mega church, for example. If we have a mega church with thousands of members, that means every fourth person sitting in a pew. Is dealing with some type of mm-hmm. mental illness. A lot of people they come to church because they're broken, because they need healing. And that's not to say that God can't do it, because we know He can do all things. But God also mm-hmm. gives us resources, and those resources could include a therapist or going to a support group. Why do you think that the church shy, you know, shy away from things when it comes that pertaining to mental illness? or they, and they say all the wrong things to actually push people away. Mm
1: -hmm. As you probably heard, I think we spoke about this in class, which is unfortunate. Once again, a lot of people say, you don't look like you have bipolar. You don't look like, you know, you have depression. So they get that persona that, oh, Alnisi is okay, such and such is okay. So do we really, you know, need to have, you know, a ministry for that? Uh, Yes, you do. It's vital because, you know, they have a ministry for everything else. I mean, and I'm not putting down any other disease. You know, it's one for cancer. It's one for HIV, one for everything. But the first thing, your leaders have to be educated because you just, I hate to say, in another church, you can't have people come up, oh, I suffer from depression, and just release them. You know what I'm saying? You have to have follow-up some kind of way. Mm -hmm. You know, prayer, prayer is excellent, but think about if God answers prayers. But what happens if he doesn't answer that prayer for you to get healed? What steps are you going to take? Are you going to, you know, see a a therapist? Are you going to do whatever? Yes, definitely faith is number one. But I think we all have a purpose, which we both have talked about. But some people just don't see that because, and even when they come to church, their minds are so bogged down sometimes. Or racing, you rarely hear the message. I mean, personally, I've been through that when I've had episodes. I'm just like, okay,
0: I'm here. Yep. You know, it's hard. And it's hard to press through. It is. It is very hard to to press through. And not only that, when I think about, I believe there was is a pastor. His name was Teddy Parker, um, based out of Atlanta, Georgia. And back in like 2012 or 2013, he committed suicide. He was suffering from manic depression and also was having some emotional issues. And they said that he that he was in treatment. And they people and I know people are probably so most likely when things like that happen, people are sh- so shocked. They like. Oh, a past, you know, how could a pastor commit suicide? And right. my experience is, is very much so because of the things that we say, you'll say things like, oh, you'll be fine. Just pray about it. But again, it, it takes a, a bit more to that. Even like if someone has a cold, just say it's a, a simple cold. You're more than likely to tell them, oh, drink, you know, drink, drink your tea. Or if they have, right. let's say they have the flu, they need antibiotics. Oh, they have to get the antibiotics. But if don't, if you have um, bipolar disorder, you schizophrenic, don't take those, you know, don't take that medicine because it's going to make you like a zombie. You know, that medicine is just for crazy people. Mm-hmm. And it's so mind-boggling to me that the church, which is for me, it's like the first place that I would normally go when I have, when I have mm-hmm. any type of life changing experience, especially if it's something hard for me to get through. And for the most part, I do believe that people, it's not that their hearts are not in the right place. It's just that they're not educated. So I think that Mm -hmm. the things that clergy and church leaders, it's important that they do is that Mm -hmm. they're educated. So it is having, you know, organization like NAMI coming in and and co-hosting an event with the church or having a small event first. Or just for the leaders of the church, and maybe they're getting trained, they should have some type of certification, some type of basic knowledge of the. Of psychology, the way that the human mind works. Uh, Because, like I said, I tell people all the time, I was told to talk in tongues for 20 minutes a day. And I was like, I don't know how to talk in tongues. So, does that mean that my depression and my anxiety is not going to be healed? Like, what does that mean? And so they don't realize when they say things like that, how someone who is mentally ill, how they internalize it. Right.
1: That's true. And, but you know what? Maybe that did work for him, but that doesn't mean it's going to work for you. You know what I mean? Because maybe you know, we might be on the same medications. Hey, I don't need to, that worked for me. Well, it didn't work for you. Maybe he had that ability to speak in tongues. And yeah, but again, everybody doesn't have that, but you have to say that works for me. That's it. You know? yeah. Like I said, different
0: medicines, you know, work for, you know, different medicines works for different people. Mm-hmm. That's the way it so, goes. And so with your, so you said with your church, you your church does have, are are open. And what do you think as far as like the actual, the mega churches go, what can, what do you think is the best, I guess the starting point for them to help them get to a place of being more open to mental health and mental illness? I think it comes from organization.
1: I'm gonna say particularly, I'm just gonna use Pidgey County as an example, reaching out, but you also have to follow up. That's for anything really that you're doing, just to get out. And I think when you reach out, it's nice to have someone who's an advocate, who's very transparent. And as you know, I'm very transparent. I, I have no problem sharing my story from beginning to the end. But you just can't walk up, you know, oh, I'm a family member that has, you know, schizophrenia. You have to have your ducks in a row. And I would say you need to have statistics. Because like you said, one out of four, think about these mega churches. that's half your church. So I think mm-hmm. persistent, you know, going after those certain, like, outreach ministries. And it's not going to happen overnight. You know, you have to to have to be persistent and also it's money out there that a lot of people are not tapping into to do the outreach i mean of course it's not it's not going to happen overnight because again you have that stigma you know a lot of people no um no that's that's just not the ministry because they gonna know
0: okay and you know and, it's, and especially with you being in active in ministry and being a pastor. What is your take on, because this is a big one. Everyone has different opinions about this. So if someone commits suicide, they're going to hell. What's your uh-huh. stance on that? Well, you know,
1: that of course is a sin, but I always think about how did they live.
0: As we both can share, your
1: mind is so bogged down sometimes. You know, you, you're not thinking, it's just temporary. That's why a lot of people say, wait 24 hours, wait 48 hours. But sometimes people can't wait that long. I just had a close friend who tried it because your mind is so bogged down. So I don't, I don't think it's that huge as people make it seem. Because again, it's an illness. So think about it: if somebody dies from HIV because maybe they didn't take their pills. Or are they going to hell?
0: I think it's the same
1: thing. Mm-hmm.
0: I guess because people look but, at it as like if someone's taking if someone's taking medicine for cancer or HIV and they and they happen to die, it's outside of their control. But they feel like with a mental illness, a person can control it because, but that's, that's not the case. And I had a cousin who unfortunately was, he was probably around 12 or 13. He, he committed suicide. Mm-hmm. You and I are both suicide survivors. Mm-hmm. Can you talk, can you talk mm-hmm. about your suicide attempt and what that time was like for you? I'm very, very rough. I
1: had actually in August, I lost my job because of, they knew about the mental illness and they just took, took me through the ringer. I mean, they emailed my psychiatrist. They wanted, you know, certain questions asked, this, this, and this, so they finally uh, let me go. So my daughter was about six, seven months, and actually, I I mean, I couldn't think. I couldn't get out of the bed. You know, I didn't want to change my clothes. I just didn't want to do anything. Very, very difficult time for me. And it bothers me because, one, the day before her first birthday, that's when I just took pills. I was like, you know what? She's better off without me. So um, her dad came, and I kind of passed out in the ambulance. And they took me to the hospital, uh, tube down my nose. Um, I don't know. People don't know about this too much, but charcoal. And they washed me just to make sure I was okay. And I went to the behavior health ward. And, and it, you know, it's not easy. You know, a person said uh, when I was doing a group, they said, why is it?" So easy for you guys to talk about it. I think once we have gotten over the initial feeling and we're, you know, healing, it's okay for us to talk about it, and especially in front of our peers. That's just the way it is. But it's very, very uh, traumatic, no matter you know how you do it.
0: Yeah, and I I say all the time with that when you tell your story, it's so liberating because when you're hiding behind it, it's controlling you. But when you step mm-hmm. out in the front and you say, you know what, this mental illness mm-hmm. is not going to control me, like. I'm like, Mm -hmm. I'm running, well, God is truly running this, but he gave me Mm -hmm. the strength and the ability to be able to overcome this. So, you know what, I'm, this is not going to control me. And it kind of gives you that power back and you come out of that, those feelings of feeling ashamed and embarrassed Mm -hmm. and like something's wrong with me, you know, all of, Mm -hmm. all of those things. So when you had your your suicide attempt in your mind did you have anything in your mind oh if I do this I'm going to go to hell did that ever cross your mind Never
1: I just wanted the pain to be released that's it you know I wanted to stop being a failure I was hopeless you know my daughter's birthday was coming up you know I just I just felt awful never never
0: cuz you know your mind you can't see clearly it's very foggy. That's what I want people to understand. When a person mm-hmm. is dealing with a mental illness, they're very foggy. Yeah. And you're and you're not yourself. Like, when I look exactly. back on, on that, that place that, that I was, like, I was mm-hmm. like, I was really sick. And when I got to the hospital, it was almost like, mm-hmm. I felt like I was having this outer body experience. Like, it wasn't really Spiritual. me. And mm-hmm. so people have, you know, have to understand that. Because the reason why I asked you that question, because that question never even came across my mind. The only, the thing that mm-hmm. did come across my mind, I was thinking about my siblings because I'm the oldest of seven. But at the same time, I was like, this just is too, the weight of it is just, it, it's it's so crippling. It's so debilitating. It's like, you cannot see that light at the end of the tunnel. And when, you're, when you're stuck in it, it's kind of like, you're just stuck in this cloud. You're stuck in this box. And by people saying that, it's also I feel like I guess we know it's a sin but it's also like a to me like a scare tactic because a person when they're dealing with the mental illness a lot of times they can't they can't control their behaviors they can't control their thoughts they can't control their emotions everything is just coming on it's just kind of it's like a you're getting hit with a big wave of things that you just cannot control people have to you know realize that and is that what I'm sure based on the experiences that you've had in your mental health journey, that has what led you to advocating for mental illness. Can you talk more about the work that you have done with advocating? So I know we've mentioned before you worked mm-hmm. the walk for the Out of the Darkness walk, but can you talk more about Some things that I may have not mentioned that you have been doing to advocate for mental illness, because I know you've been doing it for a very long time. I've really had a lot of doors
1: open, which I'm very thankful for. Um, I don't know if people know the difference. There's uh, mental health. You have the outpatient program where you get to go home and the inpatient program when you're there and they provide you housing. I've been able to speak to a lot of individuals that suffering mental illness. And when I go in, I try to do, you know, games and things of that nature. So they know it's it's somebody from the outside that cares about them. I've spoken at a couple churches. I also have put together mental health conferences, different speakers. I've had a psychiatrist um, from Adventist Healthcare. I mean, because that's important, also important for people that's in that field to network, you know, because let's say if I'm a psychiatrist and I'm full, well, let me refer you to, you know, my friend such and such. So that's um, definitely important. And one of the things that I really enjoy is being a facilitator, like the class you took. Uh, I think that's very important because people are with their peers. Mm-hmm. Everybody has the same, same dynamic. You know, we're not in there with, you know, our loved ones, were lost to suicide. You know, it's all of us having kind of the same experience. So I think that's very fulfilling for me and my calling.
0: Yes, I can say that because I definitely enjoyed coming to class. It was something I looked forward to. And Mm -hmm. even just the amount of encouragement, the amount of support that I got from you, and I remember you saying to me like, "You would make a really great facilitator. I think you you would be good." He was like, "And I'm like, me? I'm trying. I'm still trying to get myself together. I can't. I can't help nobody." But it was through that process of just going to class mm-hmm. and working on myself and being open to the experience because at first I was like. I said to myself, I was like, she tripping I don't know what she's talking about but <laughs> but but the, but the more I was I thought about it and I was like, you know what no this this could it's because it's a two I think it's it's like kind of like the circle of life like when you're in the when you're facilitating in the class you're not just helping your peers but you're also helping yourself it's like you're giving the energy that that you have to them and telling them it's okay you can get to the other side. Yes, that, that does not mean that is that you won't have some bad days, mm-hmm. but I'm just to let you know that you can make it through recovery. And it's important to see somebody who has gone through it and is dealing with it and they're managing it, but they're still able to stand up in front of a group of people and say, you know, yes, this is my struggle, but I'm not letting this take, you know, this take me out. I am thriving with this mental illness. I'm still able to be a great mother. I'm able to be a great leader. A, you know, a great minister. I still have all these other parts of me, but this mental illness is not going to stop me from living my life. And it's so important. And when I thought about it in that aspect, I was like, yes, I want to be that inspiration to other people too, because we all have a story and everybody's story is important. And that's the reason why I started this podcast, because I wanted to give people a platform to tell their stories. Is Less about me. I have more interviews on this podcast than I will have just single episodes of just me by myself, because I want to give people that space to feel validated, to feel like they matter, to feel like their story is important. Because a lot of times when you're dealing with the mental illness, you feel silent. You feel lonely. You feel like no one cares about me. No one understands Mm me. And so by talking about it, of course, we're pushing the conversation forward, but we're also giving people a voice. So that's when you mentioned that to me, I said, well, it's almost like to use that opportunity, I was like, I just will be in a class instead of on a microphone talking on the podcast. <laughs> so I was like, I just kind of had to look at it like that. But no, I definitely <laughs> want to thank you for just giving me that encouragement and just pushing me, oh, you know, welcome. pushing me and just pouring into me like, "Takia, you can do this, you know, you're going to, you know, you're going to be fine. And I'm just so grateful that I was able to take the class and just our paths were able to cross because I know we're about to do some some great uh, black girl magic work Thank together. You.
1: Yes, and I, and I'm um, what did I tell you? You handle the young people. I handle the old people.
2: Um, <laughs> yes, because <laughs> they like
1: podcast. I don't even see what's that. I'm like, oh god. Okay, y'all. Uh, co- conference call. Just just call in. Conference call. Conference call. But um, it's v- very good to see someone to have the passion that I do because it's hard. And unfortunately, uh, I hate to say, a lot of people don't like me, but they respect me because I always stand up for my peers. And and as you know, taking class, I'm like, okay, something's not right. Let me make a call. Something's not right. And a lot. some people are so involved in their own self-care, and I completely understand. But that's a journey. And some people are just not like that. Mm -hmm. You know, and I must say due to my experience, I have that type of personality. You guys know, and I was just at an event with my daughter's school yesterday. I I mean, I was just making everybody laugh, and even the principal said that. I said, because laugh is, you know, laughing is healing because you don't know what people are going through. Mm -hmm. You know, the biggest person that has a smile on their face is the one you'll hear, oh, okay, they did this, they did that. But mm-hmm. also I want to pinpoint real quick. It was depression in the Bible. See, sometimes people wanna don't wanna talk about that. But it's in the book. If they were really once again research Elijah, he went through depression. But a lot of people don't wanna bring that up. I spoke at a conference ladies like, Oh really? Wow You know, and it's sad when I host walks. I mean it's like pulling teeth. A lot of people and I must say, especially African American people, do not want to come out at all it's very difficult very very
0: difficult it's the stigma but it is definitely the stigma but I also think is I'm making it doing my best to make it a part of my mission by doing the podcast and writing my articles and speaking through those platforms as a way to really get more people to talk about it the amount of response and the reviews that I have been getting from the podcast mm-hmm. from people i would say 15 years old up until about 45 years old that has been the like the range of people who have been listening to the podcast and all of them of course are in different stages of their life but they each person mm-hmm. was able to identify with some part of it and that goes to show you that it's not a young or an old problem it's a collective problem it's a community problem that we That we have to address. And I'm going to keep saying this. I really do believe that we are in a mental health crisis.
1: No, I was just going to say, you're very right and and correct. And one thing that really upsets me, like you said, crisis, even the media, every time something happens, oh, he had schizophrenia. I'm like, oh my God, here we go, here we go. But I must clarify, even if that person had schizophrenia, they maybe weren't on the right medication, they maybe didn't have the right treatment plan. People don't understand. Like you said, went a crisis because that's the first thing they say. And you know, like, oh, yeah, you can't buy guns, okay? But as people walking around not diagnosed, they have one.
0: And even going to talking about the media, what you were saying is very interesting. There is a quote, and I have to get this quote. Is so there is a mental health activist by the name of uh, Dior Vargas, mm-hmm. and she said something that was so on point. She said, white people are stereotypically the face of mental illness. They are media representations like Blanche of A Streetcar Named Desire, Ingrid Bergman in Gaslight, and even more recently, Carrie in Homeland, and Pat and Tiffany in Silver Linens' Playbook. Even when it comes to the news reports of these tragic shootings recently, When it is a white male, there is the immediate speculation that he is mentally ill. Yet, when Black or Latino men commit crimes, they are just that, criminals. There is a stigma that is rampant in our society towards mental illness. Yet, it is the worst for communities of color. Mental illness doesn't discriminate, but people do. People of color in the United States battling microaggressions, cultural religious language barriers and negative stereotypes that compound that compounded with a mental illness is debilitating white individuals do not deal with the issues we face and when I read that I said she just summed it all up because what exactly you were talking about as far as yeah if a person maybe schizophrenia like you said going to they may not have the right treatment plan or the right medication but even just stepping back Outside of that, when you look at race and mental illness and how mental illness is dealt with based on a person being white or black, because we know a lot of times they'll say, Oh, only I've, I've heard black people say, family members say, only white people commit suicide. While a black person is, yes, maybe less likely to commit suicide, but we still do commit suicide. And not to mention the rate for black boys the rate for black boys committing suicide has been increasing in the past few years. And like I said, my cousin was either 12 or 13 when he committed suicide. He, you know, so it is important because we deal with a lot, just as a, just with being people of color, we deal with, we deal with so much more in society. We're not even, we don't even give the chance of, Oh, maybe they had a mental illness. And so the activist Dior Vargas, I thought she hit it right on the nose. Definitely.
1: And I must say, for our statistics, um, the ages of 10 or 14, they actually have the highest rate of suicide. So, but like you said, you know, it is. When it's us, we get thrown in jail. That's it. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. We don't get to go to the, you know, special facility and, you know, the treatment centers and all of that.
0: It's just, you know, automatic. Mm-hmm. Well, I definitely want to thank you for joining me on the podcast. Of course, it's been a pleasure because. You and I could talk all day long about mental health. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but if somebody wants What's to connect, thing? if someone wants to connect with you or book you for a speaking um or find you on social media, can you give them the best way to contact you?
1: Sure, it's blessed, the number two, begifted at com, And on Facebook, just search for Blessed to Be Gifted Ministry. And I'll be and, more than happy, you know, me to talk or do whatever.
0: Yeah, I will make sure that mm-hmm. I'll put your email and I'll put your um the Facebook page for Blessed to Be Gifted. I'll put it in the show notes so people will be able okay. to have that information in the show notes. Okay. Perfect. Thank you for the opportunity. Yes, thank you. And of course we will be in touch. Thank you so much, Alnesia for just sharing your story. And we're about to go into another interview and speak with Pastor Xavier. I had to bring in another guest who also battled with a mental illness, but is also a part of the cr- Christian community. And it's also a male. We have a lot of uh, women who come on here, mental health professionals who are also women. So I wanna make sure that I'm getting a very diverse uh, outlook when it comes to mental health, because again, it's not one size fit all. So let me welcome Pastor Xavier. Pastor Xavier Small is an assistant pastor in Orlando, Florida, serving in his fourth year at Orlando Baptist Temple. He graduated from Pensacola Christian College with a BA in Biblical Studies with a youth ministry emphasis and received his master's in Christian counseling, his state license to minister in 2014, and was ordained in June of 2017. So welcome, Pastor Small, and thank you so much for taking time to join me on the Fireflies Unite podcast. Um, I just spoke with Pastor Gibson. Um, she go- also goes by Alnesia, who shared her story with bipolar disorder. Mm. And so I remember uh, seeing a tweet on Twitter, and I don't remember what the tweet actually said. I just remember it. Um, it was a tweet that someone retweeted, uh, cause it was your tweet and Ooh. it said something about depression, um, and the church. And I was like, oh no, I got to get them on the podcast. <laughs> I need, you know, I want clergy that are, uh, openly talking about this very taboo subject. One, it's taboo oh. in the, of course, in the black community, but it's also taboo, even more taboo when you think about the Christian um, or or particularly the Black church. And so I said to myself, I have to interview him. So thank you for answering me after I slid in your DM.
3: (laughs) No problem at all. No problem at all. Thank you for the opportunity.
0: (laughs) So I, you know, I really want to just get your help to help me dive into this very tough subject of mental illness in the church. So did you grow up? In the church, and was mental health discussed in your church or your home
3: or your home for your first question did I grow up in the church? Yes and no um i started I started going to church when I was about uh twelve. I got saved at fourteen, but then I started to slide way back out and then when I turned uh seventeen, uh, I went through some things and then when I turned seventeen, I started to take my faith really seriously that summer I, that summer, I surrendered the call to preach. And then, um, and then from there, that 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 kept on that momentum just kept on going forward, and I've just been trying to be uh, sold out uh, ever since. Uh, I believe your sec- your second question was asking about the depression, correct?
0: Yeah. So, um, was mental health discussed in your home or in your church? Oh,
3: it wasn't discussed probably as often as it should be. To keep it one hundred and ten percent honest, because I think a lot of times with depression, people don't people don't realize like being an outsider looking in that it's something that people don't really, you have to know the signs, you know what I'm saying? A lot of times the people won't come forward and be like, Oh, I'm depressed. A lot of times they'll suppress it and try to deal with it themselves. And so consequently, I mean, maybe if there's a topical message, it may come out and talking about these things, but to be honest, it wasn't discussed much. And it definitely wasn't discussed much, discussed much in my home. Um, <clears throat> my mom was a good mom. I grew up in a single parent home. My mom was a good mom. <clears throat> and she provided for us uh, very well, did the best that she could. Uh, but the emotional aspect wasn't necessarily there to be 100% honest with you. And so um, now here in my you know my mid-20s, I've actually told my mom just recently this year, actually, that I, w- I had struggled with depression badly on two different occasion- occasions. And she's like, why didn't you talk to me? Why didn't you talk to me? And I'm just kind of like, I didn't really feel like I had the room to. And so to answer your question, to to answer both of those questions, No and no.
0: Okay, so know that it wasn't discussed. And so, can you share your story? uh, Dive in more as it pertains to your mental health. And when did you first start noticing the signs? And um, you kind of answered the question. uh, You know, your mom said, "Why didn't you come to uh, come to her?" But was your were there other family members or friends or church? family members who were supportive or did they know about uh, you battling with depression?
3: They're largely, largely I dealt with, I try to deal with it myself. Um, just different circumstances kind of happening. You don't even, it's hard at first to kind of pinpoint what, what's doing it. At first you just realize that there's some changes uh, going on that you're feeling this way. You're feeling extra tired. You don't want to, you know, you don't really want to do anything. You don't really, you, you can't focus, you can't eat. A lot of those different things and then i remember getting to a point when uh, i was 16 years old i had been going through some things uh to keep it 110 percent honest i went to jail on a on a battery charge and that was kind of uh that was kind of like a uh that was a, a a rock bottom for me and dealing dealing with that and dealing with some other issues that i had been dealing with internally um i actually was contemplating suicide and i remember calling my youth pastor and i called him and i said uh you know hey mike how you do- brother mike how you doing and he's like i'm doing great buddy what's going on and, I, and just frankly i was just kind of like i'm about to kill myself and he's like excuse me i was like you heard me i'm about to kill myself and he was like hold on hold on hold on and so he like he's like stay on the phone and he i mean sped over to my house and uh sped over to my house and uh just hugged me while i cried and he was just kind of like man what's going on and we were able to talk about those things and then from that point forward he really 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 mentored me and and gave me some special attention and took me to work with him sometimes it was just kind of like I'm not letting you out of my sight until you're better and so when I actually reached out uh and when I actually reached out for the help I got it you know what I'm saying um it main is at least in having someone there so that you're not really dealing with it dealing with it alone but I don't know if it's like a pride thing that makes you say, "Oh, I don't really wanna, I don't really wanna ask for it," you know what I'm saying? And so someone has to. A lot of times, identify, oh wait, he's having this problem. And if I, I don't know, maybe if I didn't call him, maybe no one would have ever known, because I wasn't telling anybody, even my best friends. I wasn't telling anybody. And so when that kind of started to come out, it was like, oh wow, he's depressed. I would have never known, because if you would have known Xavier Small at 17, you would have known that I was very happy-go-lucky. I was very involved in school and and clubs and. And people told me later on in life as we discussed things, I was like, like, yo, you were depressed? I would have never known. And that's the problem with depression is that it, it can mask itself behind a whole bunch of things. You know, I was going in school and I was having a great time and I was coming home and I was getting in bed and staring at the ceiling for hours, you know what I'm saying, with my clothes on and things like that. And so that was the first instance. The second instance was when actually I was already in the ministry. Um, I was already in the ministry. I was just in the youth pastor there and um, I was actually working on my masters in christian counseling uh but what's what was funny is i was uh I was starting to have some started to have some some problems and what I would realize is that I was taking the problems of the people that I was dealing with home um, i had already by the time I was in the ministry uh only two two and a half years or so I had already dealt with three different teenagers you know battling with suicide and depression. Um, people dealing with issues at home, like why doesn't my father love me? And I didn't realize that um, I was taking those things home with me. And then it was the last straw, I think, with that was there was a very close family I had in the church. And some issues arrived in the marriages and, and some different things happened. And when that happened, I mean, their family just fell completely apart. Um, all the kids in their youth department, uh, both the husband and the wife, they split. And it was a really big mess. And I realized, I didn't realize how big that affected me. Until, until I got home and I realized that I wasn't suicidal, but the depression, po- I think, was worse, if that makes sense. Uh, mm-hmm. Just because um, as an adult, cognitively, uh, a lot of times as an, as an adult, you know, you can better battle the issues that you deal with. and be Like, Yo, I'm depressed. Let me see what I can. I got to get out of this. But I, I knew uh, I knew that it was happening and it got so bad to the point where I was it was manifesting itself in physical ways. Uh, Usually with depression, it means usually that, oh, someone's sad or it means that, you know, someone's just kind of like distant. But for me, it got to the point where I was having nightmares uh, four to six times a week. Uh, Psychologically, you outgrow nightmares for the for the most part by the time you're 18. I was having four to six nightmares a week. Um, And and I was having these, this nightmare, this reoccurring nightmare where I was driving off the road and I was about to fall off and then I would, I would jerk out of my sleep and I would have these really bad muscle spasms. And I was having to change my sheets almost every night because I was sweating profusely and it just got to the point where it was just wearing me down. And I was, um, it was wearing me down and I was just kind of like, man, I got to do something about this. And so I, I, scheduled, a, I scheduled an appointment uh, with my doctor. Uh, and I told her, I was like, hey, I'm having these issues, and she's like, what's wrong? I was like, well, I'm I'm dealing with anxiety bad, and I'm having a hard time sleeping, and I was like, I'm, I'm de- I, need, I need to deal with this. And she's like, okay, and I was like, I don't want any medication, though, you know, I was, and I wasn't done with my master's yet, but I had known at that point on a spiritual basis and on a professional basis that it was something that I was dealing with internally. I just had to figure out what it was, you know, and so I was like, I don't want any medicine. I want you to help me figure out what's causing these problems, because I know that if I can figure out what's causing it, I can beat it, you know, and, okay. um, and, so, and so I told her that, and she, I told her what was going on and what was happening in the nightmares, and, um, and I, I don't know what caused me to seek um, secular professional help other than going straight to my pastor. Um, I'm not sure what caused me to do that, to be honest, because I didn't go to him. I didn't go to anybody in ministry. Um, I, I knew, I don't know why I just, I just wanted to go to a, uh, to a sec, I went to a secular, a secular therapist and (laughs) and she helped me because I knew that there was, I knew that it was rooted in something, uh, something that I was dealing with. And so I was just trying to help figure that stuff out. And actually when she helped me to identify what the problem was, what was causing my depression. Um, It helped me to further deal with my anxiety. It helped me to deal with the nightmares and the night sweats and the muscle spasms and all that slowly went away over the course of a couple weeks after uh, that happened. And so that's why I'm such a big advocate of people going to get uh, the help because I didn't battle depression once, but I battled it twice, you know, and and two two very serious ways. One was prompting suicide. The other one was having physical manifestations uh, in my life. And I was like, I can't live this way. And so that's why I was so big on being like, hey, depression is real in the church, because uh, like many people know, in the black community, people act like it's a disease and that you should be ousted if you if you deal with depression like it's not real. And in church, they know that it's real, but they have, you know, looking at scripture, the Bible says, what, be careful for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace that passes understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And so they're like, okay, well, it's taboo. Like you said, you know, it's taboo for people to, for a Christian to be dealing with depression or to be dealing with anxiety or to be dealing with these things because they quote unquote good Christians shouldn't be doing that. And so people are like, oh, I'm not going to, it's not talked about as much as it should be. And then number two, people aren't going to get the help like they need to be because they maybe feel ashamed or maybe feel um, guilty for feeling depressed and they have to realize that um, although we are Christians and although we are saved by the blood of Jesus and although uh, the Holy Spirit keeps us, um, if you look in the Bible, God has God set up uh, men and women to do his work. And and I believe that God calls Christian professionals uh, to focus just on the, psych, the psychology aspect of, of people and, and of ministry. And, and that's why I was trying to say, look, you need to go and get help because in the church depression is real and people are not dealing with it. Um, and it's manifesting itself in other ways. And I was like, and I, and that's not just a speculation or just my own personal, in my own life, illustration. That's me. I'm in four years of ministry now dealing with a lot of people who have come forward. And I can even show you, man, I can send you a screenshot of my DM and, and on Twitter and how many people have contacted me saying, hey, I'm depressed. How do I beat it? Hey, I'm struggling with this. How do I beat it? Hey, I'm feeling suicidal. How do I beat it? Like, like uh, there's a young man I'm dealing with right now. Uh, that I'm working with right now who contacted me and was like, hey, man, I'm suicidal, help me. And I'm just kind of like, "It's these are Christians. It's not just all oh, random people who are just out there in the world. It's literally God's people who are saying, like, I'm depressed and I don't know what to do. And so it's really, 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 really like an epidemic, you know?
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so
3: that's why I'm such a – that's why I'm an advocate for it. And that's a little bit, I guess, of my story, um, in full of, of how I dealt with it and and, and – And how many times and and why I chose to take the steps that I did uh, to dealing with it.
0: Wow. That is, your story is so powerful. And the thing that I wanted to mention after listening to your story is that people have to understand, you know, with any mental illness, but, you know, we're talking about depression here, but with depression, it manifests itself in so many ways. Some people right. gain weight, some people lose weight. You know, someone's right. having nightmares. Some people when right. they have the tie-in with the generalized anxiety disorder, so like right. you, you're having night sweats and you're having muscle spasms. So it does manifest physically as well too. Right. Of course, it's a mentally because we and it's emotional, but it does affect you in different ways and so some people right. again we know it's the isolation uh right. not finding pleasure in things that you normally would find pleasure in right. um suicidal but not every person who's depressed is also suicidal so that's another Bingo. thing people have to understand too and right. so whatever someone's journey is you know you're in case where you said i best i was so glad that you said that when it comes to Mental illness, you know, a lot of times it, it is rooted in something, but people also understand right. that it can be also genetic as well. Right. It can also be environmental, depending on what's right. going on in your environment that right. can trigger it. It could be a combination of both genetic and environmental. Right. And so that's right. why it's mental illness is not one size fits all. And so just because right. one person, um, their triggers may be different than yours or their right. mental illness may manifest differently. Do not negate or or disregard your experience. And so I was so glad that you said that. And then you also said, well, you know, I don't want to take uh, medication. So when I think about my situation, you know, I'm a two-time suicide survivor. So I tried when I was 14, and then I tried when again when I was 25. And so right. I was so adamant on not taking medication because I was like, I cannot, I don't want to take it. Also had people tell me all these things in my head, even people in the church, like all oh, that medicine's going to make you look like a zombie. You're going to be crazy, all those things. But then it got to the point where at that time, medication was the, I was actually forced into the hospital. Most people, you know, who have listened to the podcast know that I was forced in the hospital into the psychiatric unit. And so right. I was actually had to take medicine because it got to the point where I, on the other hand, at this point at 25, I was no longer functioning. I wasn't eating. Right. Some days I was sleeping too much. Some days I wasn't sleeping at all. I was struggling with suicidal thoughts. Uh, I had body aches. Like I was just not functioning. And so right. that's what I want you know to encourage people. There are some people that. Uh, need medication to deal with it and to cope with it there are some people who don't need medication but there's no everyone's treatment plan is completely different everyone's coping strategies are completely different and so i'm so glad that you shared that because i want people to see the variations of it there's also different types of uh, depression even though the symptoms may manifest um the same or different you know we know there's postpartum depression. Um, right. there's also something called dysthymia, which is like a very mild low uh low grade depression, and then there's also right. major dep- depressive disorder, and so I'm just really wanting to get to the point of just educating people and so right. that they are comfortable with talking about it. So I was so glad that right. you brought that up. And I actually wanted to um move along to because we know we've been hearing you know i I really want people to understand that Christians or you know clergy people that are leaders in ministry they are not immune to Amen. mental illness mental illness or um and we we know that and then even also more I found research that more than half of pastors who have counseled people were later diagnosed with the mental illness uh fifty nine percent of them actually. And about a quarter of them say that they experienced some type of mental illness themselves. So not only were they treating people with mental uh, illness, but they also experienced some type of mental illness themselves. And this was according to Lifeway. Um, So 12% have been diagnosed with a mental health condition. And they also did a survey that found out that 48% of self-identified born-again Christians believe that simply prayer and the Bible could help them alone without any type of mental health professional or medication. And when I've actually researched and found that out, I wasn't, I wasn't surprised that people thought that. And so I always want to, I, I bring this up all the time and I say, God can do exceedingly and abundantly. But the Thanks. one thing that um Onesia brought up, she said, Well, what do you do if God doesn't heal them? You know, because that's something we don't we don't really like to talk about because yes, we know that God will do things for us. But then there are times where what if that particular prayer is the answer? And then what does, how is that person going to cope? And if you want to even talk about disease, uh, mental illnesses, such as bipolar or schizophrenia, where those medic, uh with those illnesses usually need medications to, to be functional on a day-to-day basis. And so right. I actually wanted to talk to you about that. And of course I'm no Bible scholar. Um, But I know scriptures such as Psalms um, 55, verse 22, and it says, you know, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be forsaken or first John uh, chapter four, verse four. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Or right. if we even think about uh, the scripture Isaiah uh, chapter forty one verse ten, so do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. God' words provides us. You know He provides us with encouragement, and so that we know we know that He will strengthen us. We know that He will sustain us. You know we we know we know that we are overcomers. We know all of these things, but even in being rooted in our faith and believing that sometimes from my experience I don't know if this has been your experience that I want you to talk about do you find that people are sent or people have come to you like oh you know I don't need to see a mental health professional because you know this is what the word says and this they're so fixated on what the word says, but not realizing. I always say God gives us resources. You know, if a person has cancer, you'll, you'll do I, this. I always like to say this, you we hear of supernatural, but I always right. say, you know, God does the super, super, and I do the natural and together we make supernatural. So he's also saying, Hey Kia, um, you know, you should go to the doctor. You know, you, I, I put these people on, earth to work for me and to assist you now does that mean your faith is rooted in those people or in that medication absolutely not but it can also help you and so it it sometimes the it gets a little um sticky in that because some people are so fixated on it and then they're so stubborn that they don't get the help and they're suffering so what are your thoughts on that
3: okay great um i think it uh first and foremost I think something like what you said before is that people deal with things differently. Um, um, what I learned in my in my, in my my study, um, um, I, I don't know if I mentioned to you already, but I have a master's degree in Christian counseling. And then so uh, one thing I learned, one of the first things I learned in my very first course um, is they were talking about when you know that situations are out of your hands. And they said, uh, uh, I'm trying to remember the percentage, but 75% of people who deal with depression are uh, who deal with, who do who need counseling are people who need help dealing with everyday uh life issues uh all right and then you had um you have people who are uh then the next uh believe it was 20 25% yeah the next 25% of people um are people who deal with things that uh maybe are a little bit heavier things like um uh things that may need some sort of higher uh some sort of higher um what do you call it? Another, a higher professional opinion on how, on how to deal with those things. So when it, when it stems, when it stems away from uh, how to deal with life and how to deal with like social issues, how to deal with uh, relationships and how to deal with, you know, what to do and where to go, like, what's my plan. And then it starts to move to, to actual, to not actual issues, but, um, but to issues that mean uh, that you may need some, some form maybe of, Um, of medication and you may need to say hey I think it'd be my professional opinion for me to send you to a psychiatrist all right and then you have like that last remaining percentile of people that is completely out of your hands and that's when you start dealing with chemical imbalances you start dealing with Mm -hmm. uh, people so like so although I am licensed um, I am licensed to counsel uh, by the church and recognized by the state as a Christian counselor you know what I'm saying, and, and ministers, um, there are some times where you've got to be like, you know what, this is out of my hands, and, I, and I, it would be in your best interest to go and seek um, medical attention, you know what I'm saying, and I think, I think it's wisdom, and I think it's uh, responsibility, because sometimes pastors, you know, somebody comes to you, if somebody comes to me uh, and says, you know, I have a fear of balloons, I can't help you with that, you know what I'm saying? I can't, I can't help with that. You know, some, they may say, okay, well, why do you have this fear of balloons? I will share this story, and he's like, I have this fear of balloons because uh, when, I was, when I was young, my father used to pop balloons right by my head when I was a baby, so now I'm afraid of them. Well, that's a, that's a complex, you know what I'm saying, where well, they may need a different type of counseling that I can give them. You know, a lot of my counseling is rooted in, um, in, in, in the word, not, not a lot of it, but all of it. It's rooted in the word, but there are some kind of sometimes little specific things uh, that may need um, someone to actually help you to break that cycle um, of, what's, of what's going on. I'm, I don't know how I, could, how I could counsel someone to say, hey, stop being afraid of balloons. You know what I'm saying? That's somebody who may need to specialize. Mm-hmm. Um, and certain things like that. And then you have the people who have medical, you know, we talk about schizophrenia. We talk about uh, people who may have some chemical imbalances. We talk about people who, you know, have these different disorders and, and, you know, and sometimes we have to realize that you have to just know yourself. Now, now the difference in someone who, like for me, I didn't need medical, I didn't need, medical, um, I didn't need uh, a medical push, but maybe you did, right? And mm-hmm. so uh, what we learn about depression and its root. Uh, depression is when negative emotions or negative energy is manifested uh, inside of us and it's undealt with. Because you can be sad, but being sad doesn't make you depressed. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so you mm-hmm. can be sad, and it's when you're sad you have to figure out, okay, I need to deal with my sadness in a in a proper manner. Because if not, it's going to set in, and it's and it's just like if someone makes you upset, you have to deal with that anger properly, so you don't it you don't become bitter. You know what I'm saying? And so it's one, of those, it's one of those situations where you have to realize, okay, for me, it was like, okay, I'm sad, all right? And I didn't deal with my sadness properly, and so it started to affect all the areas of my life. And it was at that point when I let it get out of control that I was like, okay, I need to go and seek uh, professional help. You know what I'm saying? Because it I was at a point where it was no longer manageable. If you look at um, that verse I quoted, Philippians 4, 6, you know, um, be careful for nothing. But in prayer by supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made on, a made on, note unto God, and the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your heart to mind through Christ Jesus. If you study that verse, it's preventative. You know what I'm saying? It's preventative. It's saying, hey, don't even worry about it before it gets there so that you will know that God and, 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 re, and put it on the Lord so that you don't get to a place where you are depressed. But now we're talking about, okay, now I am already depressed. What do I do? Well, if you look in the Bible, you'll find all kinds of instances where God uses other people uh, to to do things. He uses other people. Paul says, follow me even as I'm a follower um, of God. We see that God Im- implementing Moses. Uh, implementing Moses into the, into the people to help them deal with their issues. And then Moses has to get another companion to help him deal with all the issues that are going on. And so you find out uh, the Bible says, you know, a little wine helps the stomach and you find things like that where in the Bible where, the, where, the, where I believe that God puts people into our lives because all the, it's like this, it's like this. If you fall and you break your leg, I'm not going to tell you to pray about it. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to tell you to go to the ER. You know what I'm saying? And it's one of those where you have to know uh, know yourself and know what positioning uh, that you're in in this situation, and that should guide you. So, like, a lot of people say, oh, the prayer, is, prayer is, is enough. And I think as a preventative, yes. As a preventative, yes. Uh, and and as, as far as, like, you know, I, I was dealing with a problem a few, a, a few weeks ago, and it was highly stressful, completely blindsided, this financial issue. And rather than let myself worry and be anxiety, I laid my hand on the problem and said, "God, you take care of it." Because I know that if I tried to do it in my own power, it was gonna overwhelm me, and I was gonna getting, I was gonna, you know, struggle with uh, my anxiety was gonna start to flare up, and you know, what I'm saying I didn't want any of that to happen. And so there's a difference in that versus uh, versus them being issues. Like, you know, I I could have went to my pastor, you know, what I'm saying and said, "Hey, I'm dealing with these problems, help me." But then I'm like, "Yo, I can't sleep." I'm having night sweats. I'm having muscle spasms that make me sore throughout the day. And I'm just kind of like, I, I need somebody to, you know what I'm saying, who who can specialize on the brain to say, okay, this is why this is happening. And she sat there and helped me like interpret this dream that that, was, that that I kept having. It was this reoccurring nightmare that was happening over and over and over again. And she helped me to interpret that dream as to why it was happening this way. And from there, I realized what it was. And then that's when I went to my head pastor and was like, Hey, I am feeling this way, and I'm dealing with this, and it was gone immediately, all right? And so, like, it wasn't that I overstepped my pastor. It was just that I was trying to – I got that met- that professional counseling that, that I needed and then used the spirit, you know what I'm saying, to fill in that hole, you know what I'm saying? I was able to – it's like digging that hole out uh, or uh, uh, that foundation out so that you can pour in the concrete and then using this – you know, digging that hole out with seeing that professional counselor, then using the spirit. To fill in that fill in that hole. And so people kind of like, oh, prayer is enough. And I would I would be one of those people that would advocate that that's not the case always. That's not the mm-hmm. case always. I would even say that it's a preventative. You know what I'm saying? It's a preventative, it's a preventative measure. You know, you're married to somebody and y'all don't want to have a baby. You're going to take a birth control, you know what I'm saying, preventatively so that you don't get pregnant, right? But you don't be like, oh, man, you know what? I didn't. I didn't do that. But now I'm gonna go ahead and take and have the birth control. You know what I'm saying? It's like, well, it's too late for that. You know what I'm saying? So not that it's ever too late for prayer, but I think prayer is a preventative, so that you can get ahead of some of those things. Not all of it, but some of those things. Because sometimes you have those situational uh, depression issues where it's just kind of like bam, it blindsides you, and before you even know it, it's it weighed on you heavy, more heavily than you actually thought that it was. And so I think it's. I think it just takes wisdom. And discernment, you know what I'm saying? it's not every day that I deal with a problem. I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna go see a psychiatrist because I'm dealing with it. Nah, there is a most most times I can pray my way out of it. So I can I can say, hey brother, I'm dealing with this. You pray for me, or or you see the, the 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 deacons and trustees in the church lay hands on somebody or anoint them with oil. You know what I'm saying? And but at the same time, you're having a problem that's that's a that's bigger than what than what your average man can do.
0: Mm-hmm. You need to go
3: and get the help, cause God, God has instilled, God has instituted people uh, to do these different jobs. You know what I'm saying? God has called this person to be a crit, like you know, you're telling me about the uh, the the woman who is who's who's a, who a Christian uh, therapist, I believe is what you said, or a Christian mm-hmm. counselor, and,
1: mm-hmm. and God
3: calls people to those things to help you specialize, like I've to help uh, to specialize in those areas so that they can help God's people out of those things God does not say hey you're a Christian just use me and al- me and me alone but I'm going to go ahead and put people in your life that can help you further deal with this problem so that you're not dealing with it by yourself because a lot of times it, sometimes it takes someone on the outside to look into your problem and say okay from a from a objective point of view this is how you should deal with it because a lot of times us being subjective is what um, can cloud our can cloud our judgment. You know, and so sometimes it's like, oh, I'm dealing with this, and oh, it's fine. And and someone will say, no, you need to go to the doctor. No, you need to go get this help. No, and sometimes we, sometimes in our pride, we feel like, oh, there's no way that we can do this. But uh, sometimes you look in the Bible, you'll see that God had people who were prophets. He had people who were who were visionaries, who were able. uh, For prime example, look at the life of Joseph. Joseph spent his entire life uh, telling people the visions and the dreams that they were having. You know what I'm saying? And so God has in, has instituted people from Bible times all the way back to Bible times who can, who will come forth and say, hey, you're dealing with this problem. This is what's happening. This is what you should do. And Joseph didn't just interpret those dreams, but he gave them solutions to those dreams. You know what I'm saying? And so I'm a firm believer that we need to do better um, as a people to not just, you know, we need, we need to pray for things. Absolutely. And a, And as I was dealing with my depression, I was also trying to, I was also active um, in prayer, but at the same time for a lot of people, it disrupts, like you said before, the natural uh, things in your life that you love or the things that you enjoy or the things that you uh, that you really like to do, it disrupts those things and it makes you to be outside of yourself. You don't, you don't want to eat. You don't want to socialize. You don't want to watch TV. You don't want to read your Bible. You don't want to go to church. You don't want to do any of those things. And that's why depression is a bondage because it causes you to isolate yourself from all the areas of your life that bring forth a positive energy. You know what I'm saying? And so that's why um, it's wise for us to be able uh, to look for the signs. And if not, uh, us as people looking for the signs in others that can get them the kind of help that they need. Because although I would be an advocate advocate that says, hey, um, pray. You need to pray and and give it to the Lord. Give it to the Lord. His burden is easy. His yoke is light, you know, as, as the Bible says. But sometimes people are past that point. They're past that point. They're past the point of of when they should have given it to, yeah, they should have given it to God, but they didn't. And now it's rooted in this way, and now they need someone to get a shovel and help them dig out of that, and then they can fill in that foundation with jesus like it should have been but then we have those situations like you talked about before where sometimes it's hereditary and you can't help it or sometimes things happen in your life and you're just kind of like ah it's it's overwhelming because there you know there's some times where you can go into uh you can go to the beach and there can be a time where like a little bit of a of water splashes on your feet and but then it can be another time where a wave completely just knocks you over you know what I'm saying? And so sometimes it's just the levels and just being wise and saying, okay, this is what I'm dealing with. Can I, is this something that I can just battle out in my prayer room or do I need somebody to help me through this? And God helps people to help people through it. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know Amen. if I answered your question because I said yes, a lot. Yes, you
0: did. No, you did. You answered it. You answered it. And one of the things, uh, there were a few things that I wanted to reiterate. You talked about, okay. you know, discernment and I'm so glad and wi- wisdom, you know, knowing when it's outside of your control, you're wise enough to say, you know, this is outside of my control. Let me refer you to, you know, um, a therapist, let me refer you to a psychiatrist, because this is outside of my scope of work. And you talked about, you talked about pride as well. And I'm so glad you said that because that's something that I really want people to hear is to know that that's not to say that, you know, leaders in ministry can't help people because we know that they can, But when it's when it's something that you can't do, it's okay to simply say, you know what, this is outside of my scope of work. I can't do this. I have to refer you to someone else and maybe even setting something up where they have a referral list of, you know, mental health professionals that they uh, that they can refer their members to if it is outside of their scope of work. So I was so glad that you said that. Right. And absolutely. And I wanted to, here's another thing that I wanted to get into as well. And mm-hmm. when we talk about scripture and, you know, be, and believing the scripture. And so there are things that, even though I knew all of this when I was in my depressive episode, but going back to, again, what you said, honestly, reading the Bible was was the furthest thing from my mind when I was... Right. I was not even showering. So you're talking about getting up, reading the Bible. That was not even, it was not on my mind. I had absolutely no energy, you know? Right. And I felt, and at that time in my life, I'm not going to lie. I felt like God had forgotten about me and I even questioned God's existence. Right. And that moment when suicide was on my mind, I thought about it actually for I would say about eight months straight, every single right. day, all day it was like I could not get it out of my head. But again, that w- was from suppressing it so many times throughout my childhood. And by right. this time, it was too it was too late. It was too big to even suppress at that time. Right. And I actually wanted to talk about um talk about suicide because okay. with I people know who have listened to the podcast that I've said that I've had a cousin who's um, died by suicide. He was 12 or 13 at the time. And for me, one of the things that I have a very hard time trying to digest, I guess that's the right. word I can say, is that when people in the church will say, you know, you commit suicide, you're gonna to go to hell. And we hear stories about pastors committing suicide. We we hear this. We hear the stories all the time. And I, when I spoke with Alnicio um, Pastor Gibson, she said that sh- her uh, thoughts were on it when you go back to it, well, how did, yes, it's a sin, but her thoughts were, well, at the end of the day, how did you live your life? She said, because you wouldn't say that to a person who died by cancer or who died by AIDS or who died by diabetes or heart attack Mm -hmm. or stroke. Those are things we wouldn't say to them, you're going to go to hell, but it's a mental illness. And when someone's dealing with any type of mental illness, and they may be suicidal, that in essence, it is outside of their control because they're not in their right mind, but it's not given the same level of compassion. Um, And so that's what people say when it comes to suicide, but we find that they don't say that about any other illness. So can you talk about your thoughts on suicide and going to hell?
3: First and foremost, I am one of the biggest proponents and you will see me argue it until I am blue in the face. That suicide does not send you to hell. I'm one of the number one. I am believe that you cannot lose your salvation. The Bible says in John chapter, John chapter 27 through 30, it says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which is greater than all, which gave them me, uh, no man is able to pluck him out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are, are one. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30 says, um, and grieve not the Holy Spirit, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. If I am holding, all right, now, so I got my phone in my hand right now. I got my headphones in, but I got my phone in my hand right now. And if my, my phone is not going to drop unless I let it go, what we have to realize, number one, about salvation is that salvation is not us holding on to God, it's God holding on to us. There's a difference, and so if God, so if God says in His in His Word that no man is able to pluck you out of My Father's hand, that includes ourselves, that includes ourselves. And so number one, people can say, I believe that when you die, if you die and you're, you know when you're and you're away from God or you or you step, you in, that you may loot, there are crowns in heaven that you can earn. Your Bible says wood, hay, and stubble, gold, metal, and precious stones. Gold, silver, and precious stones, but there are things that you can lose as far as like rewards that, that you will get at the when you stand before Christ. But I don't believe that you can lose your salvation. Um, so that's the first thing. Second, secondly, um, I believe you're right that is, uh, that depression, in a lot of its cases, is a is a mental illness. I remember when I was dealing with it um, as a young man. That it was there was a point in my life where you're you're right. You don't want to shower. You don't want to eat. You can't focus. Your work starts slipping. Your relationships begin to fall apart. And it, you're you're right. It's not in your right mind. And I had to get coached. Like it's honestly, it takes a, it takes almost a supernatural amount of strength to be mm. able to get in your Bible still when you're depressed. Mm-hmm. It's hard. Why? Because as I, as I said before, depression isolates. That's because depression is a form of bondage. It isolates you. It doesn't want you to pull you. It wants to pull you away from God. And so the the so the the more that you widen the gap between you and your relationship with God, the more the devil is going to come in and be like, he doesn't love you. He doesn't care about you. This is not real. Just end your life right now. Just go ahead and just stop right here and just, just finish it. It's not worth moving forward. And so the more that the spirit is suppressed, the more that these that these evil spirits, you know what I'm saying, so to speak, come in and they try to manifest themselves um, in our lives. And so it's, it's, it's very, very, very difficult. And, uh, and to be honest, I mean, I was in full-time ministry. I wasn't ordained yet, but I was licensed. And I had been working in full-time ministry uh, for uh, for two and a half years already. When I was dealing with my with, with my depression, and it, and it, and it was one of those, um, and it was one of those things where we had to realize that even though I had messages I had to be getting ready for, it wasn't like a heart thing. Like it was tough for me. Um, I found myself going back and preaching messages that I had already preached. I I wasn't getting in the Word like I needed to, or or studying like I needed to, and I was, I was reluctant to read the Word. And so those things are. Um, like you said, like people don't realize that it pulls you away from yourself. You're a shell of yourself, for lack of a better phrase. You know what I'm saying? And so, um, so that being said, the third thing is that I believe that it is a mental illness. It is a mental illness. It pulls you away. So people like to focus on the fact that oh, or they'll say that it's a fact um, that oh, you, it's a choice. You chose, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. you chose to take, you chose to take your life. But when you'll notice, whenever someone is counseling someone out of depression. Out of suicidal depression, they'll tell them like, "Hey, it's not the answer. There are better ways to deal with it." Why? Because they're trying to bring them back to uh, to a sound mindset, right? Because you're at a place right now in your life where you're like, "Oh, uh, this is the only way out," right? And that's not a, that's not an exactly rational uh, rational thing. You know, you look at uh, things on TV, or you look at somebody uh, who was holding someone hostage, and they're just like, "I can't do this." And um, at that point in mind, like you you snap. You know what I'm saying? You snap, and 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 um, a little bit of a silly illustration, but it's like the episode of SpongeBob when uh, uh it's like the episode of SpongeBob when when Fancy Son was coming, and he said, forget everything except for fine dining, and then uh, so that happens, and Squilliam, they do it, they do it a great job, and then Squidium uh, asks SpongeBob what his name was. Well, the little people in his mind were like, we threw out his name, we threw out his name. And it, and it burned the whole, it burned his whole mind down and the, his brain snapped and he started acting out and being really weird. And although that's a little bit of a silly illustration, that's exactly how it works. We get to a place where it completely pulls us away uh, from who we are and you're not thinking straight. You're not operating straight. If you look at somebody, if I look at somebody and say, wow, she's not eating, she's not for her grades are slipping. And, you know, me, I work in guidance with my, uh, at our Christian school and if, she, if her grades are slipping, she's not eating. She's isolating herself. She's depressed. She needs help. You know what I'm saying? Because you get to a place where you are, uh, you get to a place where you are pulled away from who you actually are, and you're not thinking right. You're not, in a, you're not in a proper state of mind. We don't look at somebody that has dementia and say, well, you know what? God bless them, but they're going to die and go to an eternal hell because they don't, you know, they're doing these these things, and they can't remember who they are, and they're hurting themselves and hurting other people. We don't do that. Why? Because we have a tendency to socialize what's okay and what's not
1: you know what mm-hmm. we have a
3: tendency to socialize things and say uh, this is socially acceptable oh it's like so uh, this is clinically and it's funny because you can look up a bunch of statistics that talk about clinical depression and the and the, and the statistics of how many people deal with it and, and what are the actions that come along with people who are situationally or or clinically uh depressed and you can notice that this this pattern and so if this has a, a tendency to to manifest itself in the same way over and over and over why does it get skated past you know what i'm saying that it's an actual issue it's a disorder just like anxiety is a disorder you know what i'm saying it's a disorder and people like you said people manifest it and deal with it in in different ways and so um, aside from the fact that I don't believe that you can lose your salvation, I think it's absolutely absurd uh, for us to even imply that oh just because someone is uh, someone is not in their right state of mind, you know what I'm saying that that qualifies them to lose out on what God has given them, you know what I'm saying, and so um that's my that's my position um, on that because I don't think that it's right at all thank you right
0: all. thank you thank you, thank you so much for providing your insight on that. I was so glad to just, you know, for people to look at it from a different perspective. Because even when I said when I was suicidal, going to hell was the furthest thing in my mind. I didn't even think about going to hell. Um
2: right. she wanted and the pain so to
0: stop. Di- exactly. That's exactly oh. what Alicia right. said. She said she wanted the pain to stop. She said she didn't think about hell either. And so right. it pain. it was like the the furthest thing from my mind and and, you know instead of saying that to someone you're gonna go to hell or say they need to pray harder or say that they lack faith in God why not recommend them to a mental health professional instead of saying things like that because it was so triggering during that time I was I would it's a terminology that I guess I created from my school of thought but I was church hurt in the sense that I started re- working on rebuilding, of course, my relationship with God on my own. But it took me right. a very long time, and I'm still rebuilding it, um, right? Because I did not want to step foot in a church at all. Like, it, right? I I could not because I was so hurt you know, because a community right. that, that I love so much and the people that I love so much, yes, I believe that their heart was in the right place, but they said all the wrong things to me. And it was so triggering for me. And I wouldn't feel better after I got off the phone with them or I would actually feel worse. And so. Right. Because of their lack of education and knowledge, and just the the ignorance when it comes to mental health or mental illness, it just pushed me further away from church, and in essence, further away from God. Because then i I wasn't praying anymore; I wasn't in my word right. anymore. And, I, and I'm just keeping it real. That was that was how it was. And it, I slowly started getting back to a place of you know now I'm, I'm you know praying more, and I find I wasn't even listening to gospel music. Like it was right. it was completely I was. That was how I was. And then finally, I started getting to a point where, you know, God started placing people in my life who started to remind me, you know, of his grace and his mercy, you know, being sufficient for me. There, I had people in my life who would say, you know what, I'm not going to judge you. And there were people who weren't even Christians, there were people right. who their beliefs were different, you know, whether they right. believed beloved, they said they believed in the universe or the law of attraction or whatever yeah. it was for them, but God still used those people because at the end of the day, my belief for me is that your relationship with God is outside of the church, it's not confined right. to the four to the four walls of the church. Just because a person goes to church every Sunday, don't don't make them safe. You know, Agreed. it's we we associate acts like it's like we think we're getting brownie points because I went to church. Oh, because I'm in the choir. Oh, because I'm in this ministry and you're doing all of these things. You can be doing all these things in the church, but still be broken on the inside. You know, we we don't want to talk about that. And so a lot of people are
3: a lot of people do all, do all do all those things that are still broken that's absolutely right
0: And so that's exactly why I said for me I had to work on rebuilding you know, my relationship with God. And I said, no matter what, whether it was a believer or not, God certainly used people because when I thought about, for instance, let's say people who say the law of attraction, I mean, scientifically, I certainly do believe in the law of attraction, but if you want to flip it to being like biblical and us being believers, we life and death is in the power of the tongue, essentially. Right. To me, I said, well, isn't whether a person who said they believe in the law of attraction, isn't that the law of attraction? Because the things, our thoughts and the things that we speak out of our mouth can certainly manifest. And that's the same exact thing. It's just, there were other people who had um, a different way of looking at it, but it amazes me how God used those people. Um, And I'm so grateful that I'm in a place where I'm so receptive and I'm so open that just because... Um, someone doesn't have the same faith as me or someone doesn't believe what I believe that God can't use them. And I don't believe, right. I I don't believe that. Um, And right. I believe it's because of being open. um, And because of the work that I have done on myself, I see how God has used certain people. And so I'm just so right. glad that you've shed light on, so, on, on so much. And so right. I, you know, before I, you know, let you go, I, I, Everyone have to connect with uh amazing the amazing Pastor Xavier on oh, social media and all that good stuff so if anyone would like to connect with you or learn more about your ministry or what you're doing, please give the listeners your blog site your social media handles all that good stuff I'll be sure to also leave that information in the show notes so they can access it there. but I also want you to state it okay fantastic uh well i uh
3: uh my, my Instagram handle will be in the bio. Um that's more of just like a that's not really something that I really use to communicate like with ministry wise just being silly cutting up, being vain for a little bit, you know. But um if you wanna be able to uh, to talk with me about spiritual issues and get on real things, you can follow me on Periscope um and Twitter at um at just J U S call C A L L me M E Rev. Rev. That's my tw- that's my handle for Twitter and for Periscope. Um, and then you can uh, follow my uh, my blog as I deal with a lot of issues uh, that pertains to Christians at the Rogue Stormtrooper. The Rogue Stormtrooper. Just think about uh, Rogue One and the Stormtroopers. Um, and that's where that that's where that's at. And that'll also be um, in the bio. But I am um, I get uh, my direct messages or my private messages are always open. Please feel free to talk to me about any, um, about any issues. And if I can help you, I definitely, I definitely can. I definitely, I I can if I, I will, if I can, and I definitely will. All right. And so uh, I'll look forward to talking with anybody who uh, decides to give me a chance to help them work through the battles that this Christian life has. And I would like to thank you so much for having me on your show today.
0: Of course I'm so glad like I'm so excited and so I just want to thank you I look forward to us I'm going to put it out and speak it into existence that we'll eventually meet one day because for y'all who don't know um, I did again slide in his DM and we have been literally talking for maybe almost the past month I would say mm-hmm. Um and so we've It's the power of social media is amazing. And so I'm so glad that, you know, our paths cross. So thank you so much.
3: Absolutely. If I could say one more thing before we go. One source of advice that I give to people when I'm counseling people who are depressed. uh, uh, Approximately 50% of your battle is already over if you can speak it. A lot of times when people are struggling with depression or whether it's bitterness or whether it's anger. Um, Sometimes it's hard to say I'm depressed. I'm angry. I'm bitter. It's hard to say those things, and so you'll be shocked to think if you're listening to this later or later, because or, I know that it was the same for me. I'm not sure, Key, if it was that if it feels that way for you, but it was. I, by the time I said I'm depressed, I didn't realize how long I had been depressed before those words came out of my mouth. And so there's that, and also I would always encourage you to have some source of outlet to talk about your problems. Um, I tell people all the time when I counsel them, whether it's in my office or whether it's in Twitter or whether it's you know, on Periscope or whatever, I'll tell them you need to find somebody, you need to find at least one person that you can be comfortable with and say, okay, I'm going to talk to you about what's going on because you'll find that it's not so suppressed if you're actively talking about it and your chances of you being able to work through it um, are a lot higher if you're able to get on the front side of it versus playing defense. You know, playing being offensive on, on the matter, being on offense is going to help you and literally just talking about it with someone. It doesn't have to be a bunch of people. It doesn't have to be every person who will look at you one, in a way. It just If you can find just one person in your life that you can trust to say, hey, I'm dealing with this, can I just vent to you for a little bit? Or can you just, you know, can I just talk? Can I just have a hug? You know what I'm saying? And sometimes, I don't know, but for me, whenever I was able to do that, it was able to help me so much, you know what I'm saying? Someone to just kind of be able that I can I can just open up to. So find one person, if you're listening to this, find one person that you can talk to and, and you'll be shocked at how much that helps you.
0: Wow. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. It's so ironic that you said that because I said that for the once I was diagnosed with clinical depression... I it was like it was a a relief I was like oh so I'm not going crazy something actually is wrong there actually is a chemical imbalance and it was a side relief but I was afraid to because I said if I say this out loud I'm going to speak this into existence and I'm going to be giving myself something and so since I was taught that you know life and death is in the power of the tongue i was like i'm not saying that i'm not going to give myself something but it wasn't that i was giving myself something i was just stating my reality but right. i but i had to accept it so i'm so glad you said that thank you so much absolutely for saying
3: that. absolutely thank you so much again uh for having me and i hope that our little discussion today uh will be able to help somebody um get through what they're going through go get help go get help
0: yes go get help So I want to give a huge thank you to Pastor Gibson and Pastor Small for participating in this podcast to discuss something that's very challenging to talk about. But I really hope that it gives people more information as it pertains to mental health and the way that we should be mindful about the things that we say when it comes to people and their mental health. It can be a really tough space. And like I said, I know, I truly believe that the people that were in my circle that were saying certain things to me, that their heart was in the right place. But again, they just were not educated. So I really hope that this pushes the conversation further um, and make people more aware to be uh, comfortable when it comes to talking about mental illness. But and I truly believe as an advocate, it's my job to have these tough conversations because if I can save just one person life, then my job is done. I really hope that you guys got something from that. And if there's anything that you guys would like me to talk more about, feel free to shoot me an email. And so we're going to move right along to the therapist shout out. So for this week, the therapist shout out actually it's a center so it goes to trinity life solutions of northwest florida they do therapy and coaching services for women and adolescents they have individual counseling family counseling counseling parenting support and coaching life coaching case management grief counseling work and career issues um in-home support as it pertains to child uh children's services And so I definitely want to encourage anyone who may be in the Northwest Florida area to check them out if you are looking for any of those services. I'll be sure to leave their information in the show notes just so you can refer back to it if you're interested in checking them out. We are going to take a quick break and when we come back, we will come back with the mind, body, and soulness segment, okay? speaking with Keandra Jackson, a therapist who offers faith-based counseling. Keandra Jackson is the visionary of KW Couples Therapy and the co-founder of KW Essential Services and Black Speakers Rock. She has been featured in the Huffington Post as one of the 10 Black female therapists you should know. She is a trusted and licensed marriage and family therapist that gets results. As a graduate of Azusa Pacific University, she is currently serving as a private practitioner working with a broad spectrum of clients. Among her areas of expertise are premarital and marital issues, anger management, addiction, anxiety and depression, life transition, grief, loss and bereavement, and faith-based counseling. Her therapeutic approach is holistic, electic, and tailored to, my, tailored to her clients. Needs to make sure each person is cared for biologically, emotionally, and spiritually. Through her early work, she's discovered the importance of having healthy relationships. From that point on, she chooses to specialize in helping couples strengthen and repair their relationships. She specializes in improving intimacy with couples by increasing effective two way communication. She is dedicated to helping couples increase sexual, physical, emotional, and spiritual intimacy. Kiandra specializes in working with couples who truly desire to maintain a healthy, long-lasting relationship and uncover their true potential. Kiandra's vision is to help 10,000 couples heal their relationships, prevent divorce, and keep families together. So welcome, Keandra. Thank you so much for joining me today.
2: Awesome. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: Of course. When I read your bio, I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, she does so much. That's all that black girl magic. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Never a dull moment in my life, trust me. <laughs> yeah.
0: So I know you said that your um vision is to help ten thousand couples heal their relationships and prevent divorce and keeping families together. Why why ten thousand?
2: Because I'm always loving to be attached to a broader um, audience, so right. Of course, I mean, I help people on an individual level who come to my office, couples who come to my office. But I want it to be global. I want it to be grand, right? So I want this to be all over the world. So that's why I chose ten thousand couples because I wanted to reach people all the way across the world. So that is my personal and my professional mission in life to really transform relationships and keep people together.
0: I love it. I I was like, that's that's a great um, vision to have because. Of course, we can go and you, they have couple um, counseling, but I I've, I haven't come across like a therapist who actually set out like, I want to help this amount um, of people and really help helping keep families together. So I definitely, you know, know that you will aco- accomplish that.
2: Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. It might be more than that one day. I don't know, but we're sticking with 10,000 for now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> cool. So um I actually so I just spoke with um Reverend Gibson about the impact um the church has on mental health. Uh can you talk about your thoughts on mental health and the church? Yeah,
2: absolutely. I I actually did a Facebook live with one of my fellow um friends who's also a pastor. Um, And we talked about this very topic, like the merging of mental health and spirituality. And so I think the church is a really awesome resource um, for people who are struggling in a number of areas, even if you don't have mental health issues. But it's just someone to talk to, somewhere to connect, somewhere to get resources, and it's really community-based. But at the same time, there's sometimes a disconnect between the therapy world and the church and i see that very clearly when i have clients who come to my office who are um spiritually based and not even you know i'm 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 a christian of course but there's clients who come to my office who may not be that and so there's so many different denominations and churches and belief systems that are out there and so i love to connect people with who they are spiritually and i think that in the church especially in the black church right like let's talk about that for a second, because <laughs> that's that's a whole
0: different ball game. <laughs> oh man, you are about to. Okay, I'm gonna let you preach. Go ahead. I mean, a
2: whole different ball game, right? I mean, I've seen some churches who are very open, and they include mental health and resources within their their church environment. Say, for instance, at my church, we actually have a specific counseling ministry where there are licensed clinicians like myself and other people who. Are providing services at the church to help people who are struggling and this goes a little bit beyond what you know a pastor may can do or lay counselors can do because it's a little bit different when it comes to clinical work but then you have those churches who believe that Um, I guess you can say that, you know, God heals everything and you don't have to go and talk to anybody about your, you know, your mental health issues and just pray and you don't got to take medication. And, you know, they have all of these stigmas and all of these incorrect stereotypes of what therapy is. And it can be more detrimental than helpful a lot of the time.
0: Wow. You literally like you hit it right on the nose. So um, uh, basically about me. So I, of course, came into a situation like that. So probably about like two two years ago, I was diagnosed with major depression and generalized anxiety disorders. So my, when anytime something comes up, my first reaction will always be to go to my church family because I have been in the church for almost my whole life. So yeah, yeah. because that's what, I, you know, where I feel like it's a natural reaction when something happens, whether someone passes away, you know, you lose a job, any type of life-altering thing. You know, that's what you do, and so that's what I did. And so my responses that I got was like, "Oh, you know, you need to talk in tongues for twenty minutes a day. Um, That medicine is gonna um, make is some people that medicine is gonna make you um, worse. You shouldn't take that medicine." And I was at such a low point in my life that. That experience started to push me away from the church because I'm like, wait, yeah. I don't know if I'm like, I don't think that they actually understand mental health and mental illness. And I'm like, just like God, you know, he gives us, he also gives us resources. And I, to me, I had to tell myself those resources also include sometimes as a therapist, sometimes as a psychiatrist, whatever you may right. need to help right. you work through your mental health issues. That's why God placed them there. And I think that's what I had to find out on my own. But it was, it was a really hard experience, especially for someone being so low. I was in a point in my life where I was suicidal. And so I was like, wow, this is what they're they're telling me. I'm like, so, but then you know, you have that whole thing like, well, if you commit suicide, you're gonna go to hell. So for a person right. who's already struggling with that, and then you go to a community or a group of people who you feel as though you can combine confide in and maybe help you but then they say things to push you away so that's why when you said that I was like oh I'm glad to hear you know that you are you know you're part of a church that actually offers these type of um, resources because I think it's so important to merge the two together so I'm glad that you're doing that
2: absolutely and I think there is a just a lack of awareness I believe that a lot of people's heart are in they're in the right place you know like they really want to help And they really want to, you know, be there for you as far as the church goes. But I just don't think that they're as informed as they should be, right? They're just coming from it from one perspective. And God can use doctors. God can use therapists. God can use a homeless person on the street. (laughs) He can do whatever he wants to do to heal, right? And so that's why I am always on a mission to help people understand the importance of mental health and treating our mental health just like we treat our physical health because Mm – If you were experiencing diabetes, right, and you had to take insulin, like, There will be no person in the church who would tell you not to take your insulin and just pray and speak in tongues for 20 minutes. They will be like, girl, take your insulin shot. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing with mental health, you know. Like you shouldn't just tell people not to take their medication or whatever. You should really find out what the source of that is and encourage them to do what they need to do to get well. And so that's why I wrote my second book, Staying Sane in an Insane World, a Prescription for Even Better Mental Health, to help people understand and break down those stigmas and just get the basic um, it's kind of like mental health 101 (laughs) it's like a basic level of what mental health is how you can help people who are struggling with mental health some coping skills who you can call I mean it's jam-packed so um, yeah that's what I wanted to share
0: yes and I want to make sure that I get that information um, from you so I can include it in the, the show notes and also on social media so people can know how they can purchase your book?
2: Absolutely. I will definitely provide you with that information. That'll be a great resource for your followers and your listeners.
0: Yes, I'm, I'm I will be copying my book. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so how how would you say um like your faith based counseling helps your clients who are faith-based. Can you give an example of how your tactics would be different from maybe a client who is not religious or is not faith-based?
2: Yeah, totally. So when we say faith-based, and you can, you'll hear people say like, oh, just Christian counseling, or faith-based, right? And so, of course, a Christian counselor is specifically coming from that framework, specifically talking about Christianity and Christ, and um, a faith-based counselor is more broad, right? We know that Christianity is not the only religion out there. So there's people who have different experiences. And so I don't ever want to downplay someone's experience or spiritual um, experience just because it's different than mine's, right? So I, I told you guys that I'm also a Christian, Christian. And so I actually went to a Christian school. The the name that you mentioned, Azusa Pacific University in California, is actually a Christian university. And when I went to that graduate program, spirituality was really interwoven through literally every single class that I had taken, right? You could not walk away without some type of spirituality, Jesus, something in that. And so – I have a lot of clients who come to me because they know that I am Christian and I'm going to come from that framework. And so that looks a little bit different for them because there are some clients who do want to start our sessions and end our sessions with prayer. There are some clients who want me to provide them with more biblical support of what I'm saying. Um, there are some, cl- some clients who really want the Holy Spirit to be involved in our sessions and we invite them into that space for clarity. Um, so it looks very different for each and every client. I'm really big on making sure that my uh, approach is very kind of like centered on the client and it's not just like a a one-size-fit-all type thing because everyone's really different. Um, and then I have some clients who are Christian, and they don't want that at all. They're like, look, I can go to my church and get prayer and get healing and do all of that, but I need a space to kind of, like, help some, help some have someone help me to kind of navigate just through the day-to-day, like, grind, just through the, you know, the shenanigans that we go through on a daily basis. So it can look very differently. Faith-based counseling looks very different for each and every client that I work with.
0: Thank you for sharing that. I think that I've mentioned this, too, that, you know, mental health is not one size fits all because every person, yeah. you know, processes things differently. Um, our perception of the world is completely different. So it is important for people to understand that what I go and get from, you know, therapy, it would be different from how my therapist works with another client, or well, at least it should yeah. be. And I, and I think because everybody, I I think that we're getting to a better place when it comes to mental illness, because I millennials, I definitely think my peers are pushing the conversation forward, opposed to um, previous generations are kind of just sweeping everything under the rug and just praying things away. And so it's, I think it's important for people to understand that for one, it's okay to get therapy because there are some people who still come to me and say like, you know, I wasn't sure if I wanted to go to therapy because I would be labeled as crazy. And I said, well, I used to have that, that perception too. But then I thought about it, like it doesn't necessarily mean you're crazy. It just means you want to work on your mental wellness. We all have, you know, issues we all have uh you know emotional wounds that we need to heal and it's just a space for you to work through that just like if you broke your leg and you needed to go to physical therapy and you had to learn how to maybe use your you know use your legs again if you had you know was in a car accident or something it's kind of it has been a double standard but i think it is important for people to understand that you know therapy is okay and i'm glad that you know you're a therapist who offers the type of support that that christians or other spirit people who are spiritual or faith based they can get um what they need because that is very important
2: absolutely and, yeah. and there's even some clients who don't come up from a christian framework who they teach me some stuff <laughs> like i'm constantly okay. learning as well you know like there's so many different like i said like you know religions and spiritual, I mean, there's so many forms of it. And so when I have a client who comes in that has something different or is experiencing something different from what I know, it's a learning process for me too. And I don't shut it down and be like, no, that's wrong. I'm just like, okay, wow, well, how does that impact your life how does spirituality and the viewpoint that you see it? how does that impact your day-to-day and then we unpack it so it's definitely a process
0: I'm glad that you said that what would you say some of the biggest concerns that come up for people who are who are like really religious and counseling do have any one of them come in and you know experience saying like you know I was told not to come to therapy or I didn't think I should come to therapy because, I, you know, I should just pray it all away?
2: Oh, absolutely. <laughs> mm-hmm. I hear that all the time. It's very common. Um, and like I said, it just comes from people just not being as informed. But, I mean, there's people who come and they say – I get a lot of first-timers, actually, so people who have never, ever been to counseling ever in their whole entire life like, have been coming to me lately, and I always commend them for taking that first step and reaching out. Um, but, yeah, there's a lot of fear, and there's a lot of stigma, and there's a lot of shame sometimes that comes with coming to counseling because the media sometimes and just how we view it in, like, movies and TV shows, you know, we make it seem like it's just for the quote-unquote crazy people, and we need to normalize it. I feel like this should be a part of your regular health care you know like just like you go and get a regular physical exam we should go and get mental health checkups as well just to make sure you're good just to make sure that you're you know solid in that area and so i hear people all the time they come and say oh i don't think i'm supposed to be here i don't want anybody to know i'm here um Someone told me that I should just pray. Um, someone said don't go and talk to, you know, someone who doesn't know you because they'll be all up in your business and you're not trusting God enough and you don't have enough faith. I mean, I've heard some of the most, I, I can honestly say some of the most ridiculous um, things. And so it's it's hard when you have people who are saying that in one ear, but you still have a desire to get help and you know that you need a little bit more. So, yeah, I hear that often, very often.
0: Yeah. And I I think it's one of those things that it there, it takes someone a while, you know, that's why I said, I'm glad that you congratulate, you know, you applaud your um clients that you see them at. you're like, you know, thank you for taking this first step because there is, it's so long that people, they will sit and suffer in silence. I think about for myself, it was, it took some time for me to go, but I was thinking like, if, if I get, if I say out my mouth, I have depression, that I, for me, I thought I was speaking it into existence. So I would not yeah. say it. You could not get me to say that word. And I, for a long time, I didn't even think that I was depressed, honestly, because there was a point where, you know, I was very social. Um, But then when, you know, with depression, when you start seeing your behaviors change, I was like, okay, maybe something is wrong because I'm sleeping for like 14 hours a day. I'm gaining all of this weight. You know, I'm struggling with these suicidal thoughts. And, you know, I I was like, okay, maybe something is wrong. But I was like, if I say this, oh, I'm going to cling on to that. But then I had to say to myself, no, it's not that you're speaking it into existence. It's just your reality. And by, because I felt like it, By not talking about it, it, I was, like, embarrassed or ashamed. But now that I have, like, quote, unquote, come out about it, it's so liberating because now I feel like I'm in control. Uh, You know, I'm in control. It's not controlling me.
2: Yeah. And can you imagine how many people are looking at you and saying, oh, my, and struggling with the same thing, right, and saying, like, oh, my God, if she can do it, you know, I can do it. And so you provide a sense of hope to other people who is in a dark place and so yeah you're right like we we almost feel like we're speaking it into existence if we say it out loud but the first thing is that you have to acknowledge it right in order to get help so i think you're you're right on point with that
0: yeah i'm uh, that's why i'm i have like a a level of respect and just stand 100 percent behind therapists because now in my experience i see the importance i see the severity of you know mental health professionals such as therapists and you know psychiatrists, uh, because it it is certainly needed. What would be um, some words of encouragement, um, and advice that you would give for um you know religious leaders as also members of whether it's members of a church or any type of faith based community who are on the fence about um getting therapy. Um, and what benefits do they have um, in finding a faith-based therapist? Well,
2: first I would tell them to get my book. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm just kidding.
0: (laughs) But it is a really good starter,
2: though. Like for for people who don't understand what mental health is and how it can impact, it really is a good starting point for people to kind of just read. And it's a small pocket-sized book, so it's not even going to take forever to read. Um, But it just gives everything at its basic level. And so I would encourage – because – if, okay, so if one in every four people have experienced mental health issues at some point in their life, right, that means if you're a pastor or if you're a leader of some sort, that means every fourth person that's sitting in one of your pews is dealing with something. So if that leader or that pastor or preacher, whatever, sees it from that perspective, they'll get an idea of how many people in their congregation is actually going through mental health issues. And when you see how prevalent it is, you have to do something about it, right? And so I encourage pastors and preachers and people who are on a higher level to connect with people like myself, right? Right. I'm sure there's probably at least one clinician or somebody who knows a therapist at every church, right? At my church, I don't even know how many of us it is. It's just We just roll deep. <laughs> but um, I feel like connecting with people like myself who can provide that, even if you don't want to provide that service at your church, you can always start like a referral source, right? So if you see clients, I mean, sorry, if you see uh, members of your congregation struggling with, you know, depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, Um, relationship issues or whatever parenting whatever it is you can say okay this might be a little bit outside of my scope and my range so let me refer this person to Keandra and so that person Mm -hmm. will come to me and I'll take over the therapeutic services from that point on but I think just having that conversation normalizing it is what will be more beneficial in the church and so I'm all to my church's horn, but <laughs> I feel mm-hmm. like my church does a really great job at doing that. And we also, like, on a Sunday, we actually had, like, a mental health, like, panel um, and talked about all of the important. I mean, it was just amazing, and I was just so excited and so proud to be a part of that. But... I think for people who are looking for a faith-based counselor or what the benefits of having a faith-based <laughs> counselor is, is really someone that you can connect with, right? So a lot of the times, just in general, when you're looking for a therapist, you want to find a therapist that you can vibe with, someone that you feel like gets you, that you guys are connected, that's not going to judge you, all of that. And so when you find that individual, you want to stick with them. <laughs> you wanna stick with them for a long time if possible. And I always remember, um, going back to to my early days. Like in my graduate program we actually had to do almost a year of our own individual counseling. It was mandatory before we graduated. And I absolutely hated it in the beginning because I was like, I don't have any issues, like what? I'm just gonna be going wasting my money. But when I sat there and I went and I found someone, like I opened up and I found that It was so beneficial, and it took me a while to find who I wanted to connect with, who I wanted to have as my therapist. I literally went through probably about six or seven therapists before I found the therapist that I wanted to stay with, and she happens to be a Christian therapist. All she does is Christian therapy, sees clients that are of the Christian faith, and she comes from that perspective. Um, And so I'm a firm believer that every therapist needs a therapist, and it's something powerful about when you have a therapist who's on the same page as you, even spiritually, right? And who will check you and then say, you know what, is that biblical? What? <laughs> like it comes from that frame, you know, that framework, and you know, it really challenges your thoughts and the the perspective that you have. So that's what I would say to the the leaders and the pastors who have authority to kind of like just start that dialogue and just open open up to what mental health is and really service people in that area.
0: Yes, I'm so glad that you said that because even like you brought it from the perspective of it, every one and four person is, you know, experiencing a mental illness. And I think it's so important because sometimes, you know, people will say, you know, people will say things like, oh, you need to pray those those demons away or, you know, whatever those things are. And it's like, you know, you're pulling a person away. But even if someone, for instance, who may not be experiencing a mental health issue, I'm pretty sure they may know someone who is and they can refer them and say, hey, you know, I was in church and, you know, a therapist came in and we had this event and I, I really think it's important. So even uh, maybe doing things like depression screenings and um, having those type of uh, workshops so people can really understand. So I'm just so excited about all the work that you are doing. And I just want to, you know, I'm sending you all the positive energy uh, that I possibly can send. And I just want to thank you for, you know, taking time out of your busy day to you know, be with me on the podcast and share your level of expertise. If um and if someone wants to reach out to you to connect with you on your for your services, um how they how can they connect with you? Um or if for someone who just um simply wants to uh, connect with you on maybe social media, how can they uh, reach out to you?
2: Absolutely. So I am on Facebook, Instagram, and I have a YouTube channel. So you can look me up at Keandra Jackson. Again, that's just at Keandra Jackson, which is my first and last name. Or if you would like to look me up for any type of services, I'm also an author and a speaker. So you can visit kwcouplestherapy.com. Again, that's www.kwcouplestherapy.com.
0: Thank you so much, Keandra. I had such a good time speaking with you. I'm like, it's always great to, like you great. said. <laughs> I know, like you said, it's always good to have someone that you, you know, you feel like, you know, you have a connection with. you're all the way in California. And I'm like, I'm just sitting here having a conversation with my homegirl. girl.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I love it when moments happen like that, right? Where the relationship is not forced, you just cruise it. So, yeah, I'm so excited that you have me on the show. I wish you all the best of luck for your podcast. I know you're going to have some more amazing guests on your show, and I'm excited to tune in and tell everybody I know to tune in
0: as well. Thank you so much. As usual, don't forget to send your therapist shout-out and journal entry segments to podcast p o d c-a-s-t at firefliesunite.com we do not have any journal entry segments for this week but it's all good because it was a very 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 long episode again and I just want to thank you all for listening and just tuning in every week it's been about a month now and the podcast is doing really well and it's it's growing in ways that I could not have planned and I'm truly truly grateful so thank you again for all your reviews and your social media posts just know it's very much so appreciated and I really don't take any of it lightly you all have a very blessed week and I will talk to you next Monday I hope that you obtain tools and resources from the Fireflies Unite podcast to help you manage your mental health but please do not use it as a substitute for a relationship with a licensed therapist or psychiatrist. Let's continue the conversation by following me on Fireflies Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.